The inauguration of Joe Biden. The inauguration of Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States took place on January 20th, 2021, before noon, East Coast time, marking the commencement of the four-year term of Joe Biden as president and Kamala Harris as vice president. The inaugural ceremony took place on the West Front of the United States Capitol, Washington, D.C. It was the 59th presidential inauguration. Biden took the presidential oath of office before which Harris took the vice presidential oath of office. The inauguration took place amidst extraordinary political, public health, economic, and national security crisis, including the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the orange tornado, Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 United States presidential election, which incited a storming of the Capitol, 45's unprecedented second impeachment and a threat of widespread civil unrest, which stimulated a nationwide law enforcement response. Festivities were sharply curtailed by efforts to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and mitigate the potential for violence near the Capitol. The live audience was limited. Members of the Congress could attend with one guest of their choosing, resembling a State of the Union address. Public health measures such as mandatory face coverings, testing, temperature checks, and social distancing were used to protect participants in the ceremony. America united in our determined democracy forging a more perfect union, a reference to the preamble to the United States Constitution served as the inaugural themes. The context. The inaugural, the inauguration marked the formal culmination of the presidential transition of Joe Biden, who became president-elect at the time, after defeating... The orange train wreck, the orange car wreck in the U.S. presidential election on November 3rd, 2020. The victory of Biden and his running mate Harris was formalized by the Electoral College vote, which took place on December 14, 2020. In accordance with Article 1, Section 6 of the United States Constitution, Harris resigned her seat in the United States Senate effective noon on January 18, 2021. Trump repeatedly falsely disputed the legitimacy of the election, but committed to an orderly transition of power exactly two months after losing. I will say that he lied when it came to orderly transition of power because he didn't show up to... Biden's inauguration, and he never formally conceded. Those are videos he did to make it look like he can't stand the rioters, but it took him a while to actually sort of condemn the rioters, but not really in a series of so-called keep the peace videos. Upon his inauguration, Biden became the oldest president at 78 years old, with 61 days attached to his 78 years of age. 
older upon taking office than Ronald Reagan, who left office at 77 years of age, plus 349 days, 16 days away from being 78 years old. He also became the first president from Delaware, the second Catholic after John F. Kennedy and the 15th former vice president to serve as president. Harris became the first woman to hold a nationally elected office, first African-American, first Indian-American, and first Asian-American vice president, South Asian indeed. Organizers, Joint Congressional Committee. The swearing-in ceremony for President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris was planned by the Joint Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies a bipartisan committee composed of United States Senators Roy Blunt, Chairman, I can't call Mitch McConnell a senator because of his allegiance to Trump, but I want to break it off because they could have killed you too, the rioters. Wow. Moscow Mitch is what I'll call him, and Amy Klobuchar. And United States Representatives Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and fraudulent Senator, I say Senator in quotations, but fraudulent is not in quotations, Kevin McCarthy, because he's Trump's lapdog, Trump's flunky. Just like Moscow Mitch, ah... The committee is overseen by the United States Senate Committee on Rules and Administration. On December 8, 2020, Republican members of the committee voted against a resolution that would have publicly recognized Biden as the president-elect and Harris as the vice president-elect. After Biden's win was certified by the Electoral College, Blunt and several other Republican senators finally acknowledged him as the president-elect stating that he will facilitate communications with Biden's presidential inaugural committee to prepare for the inauguration. Presidential inaugural committee. The 2021 presidential inaugural committee organized several other inauguration related events at the direction of the president-elect and vice president-elect of the United States. The committee was led by Jim Clyburn, Eric Garcetti, Cedric Richmond, Lisa Blunt Rochester, and Gretchen Whitmer, co-chairs, Tony Allen, Chief Executive Officer, Maju Varghese, Executive Director, Ivana Cancella, and Aaron Wilson, Deputy Executive Directors, David A. Kessler, Chief Medical Advisor, and Adrian Elrod, Director of Talent and External Affairs. The committee hired Stephanie Cutter and Ricky Kirshner, who produced a largely virtual 2020 Democratic National Convention, along with Glenn Weiss, to organize the inaugural programming. Theme and programming. The Joint Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies chose the inaugural theme, Our Determined Democracy, forging a more perfect union to highlight the inaugural ceremony as a hallmark of American governance and democracy and stress the peaceful transition of power. Alan 
Biden inaugural committee CEO stated that the events will look different amid the pandemic, but maintain inaugural traditions while engaging Americans in a safe manner. This includes several virtual concerts and events hosted by celebrities featuring live musical performances and speeches that will span five days, Saturday, January 16, 2021, through the evening of Inauguration Day. The committee's inaugural theme is America United and its official YouTube channel and other social media will feature exclusive content related to the ceremonies. They're speaking futuristic, even though this is past tense. I just want to say that. Planning, inaugural platform at the United States Capitol. On September 3rd, 2020, the Capitol Police Board announced that public access to the west front of the United States Capitol would be restricted from September 7th, 2020 to February 28th, 2021 to allow for the safe and secure construction of the inaugural platform stands and other infrastructure necessary to support the event. Construction began on September 29th, 2020. The traditional first nail ceremony commemorating the start of construction of the inaugural platform was not held because it coincided with the death and state funeral of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court Justice. The platform can support 1,600 spectators. However, far fewer were permitted for this event due to attendance restrictions designed to prevent the spread of COVID-19 coronavirus. Another 1,000 people, often choirs and musical guests, are traditionally situated on risers above the platform, but these were not used at full capacity for this event. Costs. Compared to past inaugurations, the drastic reduction in crowd size at Biden's inauguration was expected to reduce costs. Typically, presidential inaugurations cost about 100 million American dollars. In September 2020, prior to implementing attendance restrictions, costs were estimated to exceed 44.9 million American dollars with the District of Columbia's costs incurred in connection with the event being reimbursed by the federal government. However, the storming of the Capitol two weeks prior to the inauguration on January 6, along with threats of nationwide unrest, significantly increased the need for security. John Sandweg, a former Homeland Security Department official, remarked that the United States Secret Service likely has a surplus of funds because of lower than usual expenses during the 2020 campaign season when presidential nominating conventions were mostly virtual and the travel of presidential candidates was curtailed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Security and counterterrorism efforts. The inauguration, like all ceremonies since the first inauguration of George W. Bush in 2001, was designated a national special security event in SSE. However, on this occasion, the week preceding it was included in preparations. The storming of the United States Capitol on January 6th by a mob of pro-Trump extremists raised concerns about the security of the inauguration. The Secret Service, which provides additional security to events involving high-profile public officials, released a statement asserting that the ceremony would be safe. Mesh fencing and barriers that were previously installed for the construction inaugural stage were torn down in the attack. Rehearsals for the ceremony originally set for January 17th were postponed until January 19th, citing these security concerns. 
Biden chose not to move the ceremony indoors, saying he was not afraid of taking the oath outside during a public ceremony as originally planned. Biden's team indicated that they believed a public outdoor ceremony was necessary to show U.S. national strength, resilience and resolve. Former Homeland Security Advisor Lisa Monaco advised the Biden team on security on security related matters for the ceremony. Following the attack and subsequent violent threats by the same groups and individuals to disrupt Biden's inauguration, the Secret Service launched a massive security operation that surpassed any in modern U.S. history, with the aim of avoiding a repeat of the deadly Capitol riot. On January 11th, Trump approved a request for an emergency declaration in Washington, D.C., allowing federal assistance through FEMA to help secure the event. On the same day, the National Park Service warned that groups who were involved in the riot continued to threaten to disrupt the inaugural ceremony and pose credible threats to visitors and park resources. On January 14th, a 13-page joint threat assessment was issued by the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, and other federal and local agencies identifying domestic extremist groups as the most likely threat to the inauguration, followed by foreign influence followed by foreign influence operations and extremist drone attacks. The bulletin noted that extremists have had ability to act with little to no warning, willingness to attack civilians and soft targets, and ability to inflict significant casualties with weapons that do not require specialized knowledge. The bulletin also noted that since the January 6th Capitol attack, U.S. intelligence had identified Chinese, Iranian, and Russian efforts to inflame tensions and violence echoing prior attempts by foreign adversaries to take advantage of disinformation spread by Trump, such as a campaign to cast doubt on the security of postal voting. In a separate January 18th intelligence briefing, the FBI warned law enforcement agencies that although the Bureau had not identified any specific plots to attack the inaugural ceremonies, Far-right extremists had discussed the possibility of impersonating National Guard members in D.C. in order to infiltrate the inauguration. The briefing warned of potential threats from both lone wolf attackers and followers of the extremist QAnon ideology. On the same day, the Secret Service established a multi-agency command center, MACC, to coordinate inauguration security, established six days earlier than planned. The MACC includes agents and representatives from 50 to 60 entities, including government agencies such as the FBI, U.S. Marshal Service, Defense Department, Park Police, and D.C. Metro Police, and private companies including a gas company, CSX Railroad, and Amtrak. At the request of D.C. Metro Police, the Marshal Service assisted with inauguration security and planned to deputize up to 4,000 local law enforcement officers from across the nation to assist. Non-scalable seven-foot-high crowd control barriers with razor wire atop them and Jersey barriers were installed around the perimeter of the Capitol grounds to prevent disruptions during the ceremony and deconstruction of the platform. The network of barriers and fencing were taken down after the inaugural events were completed, although a heightened security presence continued. Aviation Security Ahead of the inauguration, the Transportation Security Administration increased aviation security at the three D.C. area airports, increasing the use of random gate screenings, explosive detection dogs, and federal air marshals. Washington, D.C. area airspace, which is ordinarily highly restricted, was even more tightly controlled. 
National Guard uh, security. Thousands of armed National Guardsmen were deployed to secure the city from all 50 states, three territories, and the District of Columbia itself. Thousands arrived a week before the event and rested in the Capitol Visitor Center. The Washington Post noted that the Capitol resembled a makeshift barracks as hundreds of guardsmen sprawled on the marble floor using backpacks as pillows and with unloaded M4 rifles within reach. So National Guard troops in D.C., here are the dates and the National Guard troops on duty in D.C. established. January 14th, 7,000 National Guard troops. January 16th, the morning of 10,000 National Guard troops. January 17th morning, 16,500 National Guard troops. January 18th evening, 21,500 National Guard troops. January 19th morning, 25,000 National Guard troops, all in D.C. In that particular order. The Pentagon, through the National Guard Borough, authorized a maximum of 21,000 National Guard troops before increasing the authorized maximum to 25,000 on January 15th. National Guard forces increased steadily in the days leading up to the inauguration, and the maximum was reached on the eve of Inauguration Day. The total number of National Guard troops supporting inaugural security operations was about three times the number activated for recent inaugurations. The National Guard operation was called Operation Capital Response. Major General William J. Walker of the D.C. National Guard commanded National Guard forces in D.C. While most state governors and adjutant, adjutant generals agreed to requests from Defense Department officials to send more troops, some governors declined to send additional troops desiring to retain capability to defend their own state capitals. The activation of National Guard forces into D.C. was a logistically challenging operation with National Guard members from nearby states traveling by ground conveys and National Guard members from more distant states flying into Joint Base Andrews. Arriving National Guard units reported to the D.C. Army to obtain Secret Service issued credentials needed for access to the secure perimeter. Amid concerns from defense officials about potential insider threats, Army Security Ryan McCarthy confirmed that the FBI would run a vetting process for the 25,000 National Guard troops to be stationed in D.C. for the inauguration. The process involves running names through FBI databases and watch lists to detect any red flags, such as extremists or terrorist connections or involvement in previous investigations. Twelve Army National Guard troops were removed from the inaugural security mission and sent home after the military determined that they presented security liabilities. Two were relieved of duty for making inappropriate comments or texts, indicating possible sympathies for anti-government extremist groups and threats to lawmakers. One of these was flagged within his unit's chain of command, and the other was identified through an anonymous tip. The other 10 were removed for reasons unrelated to extremism, including pending criminal investigations, complaints, or domestic abuse. In addition to securing the Capitol, National Guard forces in D.C. will also be used for traffic control duties. Military police National Guard units were particularly important to the effort due to their specialized training on handling civil disturbances. Civil disturbances. The total number of troops in the city may have been the highest since the American Civil War, comparable to that during Abraham Lincoln's first inauguration which also featured an increased military presence and surpassed the 13,000 guardsmen deployed during the 1968 riots. 
After the inauguration, the National Guard began to wind down operations, arranging for approximately 15,000 to 25,600 National Guard troops in the district to return home over the next five to 10 days, with approximately 7,000 to remain through the end of the month. The demobilization process included checking in equipment, making travel plans, and testing for COVID-19. When the guardsmen arrived in the city, they were required to undergo a COVID-19 screening, including a questionnaire, but few were required to take COVID-19 tests for clearance to join the mission. They resided in tight quarters, and some removed their facial coverings while around each other. Both conditions increased the likelihood both of spreading and contracting the virus. The inability of the National Guard to protect the capital within COVID-19 guidelines raised concerns among officials. On January 22nd, nearly 250 members who patrolled the capital and city reportedly tested positive for the virus. In the early afternoon of January 21st, the Capitol Police ordered all 3,500 members of the National Guard stationed in the Capitol and Congressional Office buildings to relocate to the Thurgood Marshall Federal Judiciary Building parking garage. The garage was lit and heated but lacked sufficient internet and cell reception, electrical outlets, and bathroom facilities for the thousands of troops told to occupy the space. Temperatures in the city also dropped to the low 40s Fahrenheit by nightfall. National Guard Borough spokesman Major Matt Murphy stated that guardsmen were told they were no longer permitted to rest on Capitol grounds due to increased indoor foot traffic in hallways and open spaces as Congress reconvened. They're also told to organize mobile command centers in nearby open spaces or hotels. During their 12-hour guard duty shifts, members were cycled into the garage to relax and given hotel rooms to sleep in when their shifts were completed. However, the move was widely criticized by members of Congress of both parties. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called the decision outrageous. In the early hours of January 22nd, both the Capitol Police Watch Commander and Inauguration Task Force Commander uh, Brig, uh, Gen- General Janine Burke had confirmed that the National Guardsmen were allowed back into the Capitol to again reside in the Emancipation Hall of the Capitol Visitor Center. Yogananda Pittman, the acting chief of the Capitol Police, released a statement shortly after saying that she did not issue the order to vacate the complex and that the Capitol Police would reduce the need for sleeping accommodations by establishing shorter shifts. Many members of the National Guard who patrol the Capitol may be asked to remain active until March following concerns that unrest may arise during the second impeachment trial of... The Orange Heart Attack, which is scheduled to begin February 8th and around Biden's first State of the Union address to a joint session of Congress. Christopher Rodriguez, director of the Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency for the District of Columbia, has requested continued National Guard support with traffic management and crowd control through January 30th, anticipating that another national special security event will occur. According to the National Guard Bureau, about 7,000 troops will remain in the city until January 30th. All right. 
active duty operations. In addition to the National Guard troops, the Defense Department assigned an estimated 2,750 active duty personnel in support of inaugural operations, about 2,000 to perform ceremonial duties, military bands, color guards, salute gun batteries, sentries, and ushers, and the remaining 750 in specialized units, including CBRN defenses, bomb squads, logistics, and communications personnel, and medical personnel. Additionally, U.S. Coast Guard, USCG aircraft, watercraft will patrol the air and water. From January, from January 12th to January 25th, which was yesterday, a stretch of 10 miles, 16 millimeters of the Potomac between the Francis Scott Key Bridge and the Woodrow Wilson Memorial Bridge was closed to marine traffic. And patrol, excuse me. <coughs> I coughed in my... The area of the arm, in the, the middle of my arm, where they say you can uh, sneeze and cough, but I'm good. Um, my health is great. Was close to marine traffic and patrolled by the USCG cutters Lawrence O. Lawson and Chalk, as well as small boats with USCG Maritime Security Response Team members. U.S. Air Force fighter jets are planned to be in fight. Security-related site restrictions in and around the National Mall, Southwest D.C. Capitol, downtown Washington, D.C. on Inauguration Day. After the January 6th storming of the Capitol, in which five people died, organizers and officials made an unprecedented effort to deter people from visiting Washington, D.C. during the week of the inauguration over concerns of political violence. Efforts include D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser urged tourists not to visit the city during the week of the event, and the Office of Personnel Management asked federal agencies to allow federal employees to work remotely during the week. The National Mall, which served as a non-ticketed viewing area in past ceremonies in Washington Monument as its geographic center, will be closed to the public. Much of the surrounding downtown area near Capitol Hill, Union Station, and Lincoln Memorial and the White House came under significant parking restrictions and road closures remaining in effect until January 21st, the day after the inauguration. The WMATA announced the closure of 13 metro rail stations beginning on January 15th and extending on January 21st to keep the public safe and to discourage travel within the secure zone. The stations that remained in operation running on a Saturday schedule. Metro bus service was also modified with routes changed due to the security perimeter. The postal service will temporarily remove or lock public post boxes and suspend mail collection in Washington, D.C. Several major U.S. cities to protect postal property, employees, and the public in the event of civil unrest. Airbnb canceled all reservations in the city. Major airlines banned incoming travelers from checking firearms on board. A local hotel workers union called on hotels to restrict guests to those providing inauguration security, and many parking garages around the Capitol would be closed or rerouted. Mark Train and Virginia Railway Express commuter rail service from suburban Maryland and Virginia, respectively, would be suspended on the days leading up to, including Inauguration Day. Amtrak issued a travel advisory in Washington, D.C. and increased security with Northeast Regional Service operating south of the city into Virginia to be halted on January 19th through the 20th. The state of Virginia announced on January 15th that as part of an agreement with the U.S. Secret Service, four bridges over the Potomac River connecting Virginia to D.C., Theodore Roosevelt Arlington Memorial, Interstate 395, and 14th Street would be closed to for two vehicular and pedestrian traffic for a 48-hour period of inauguration from 
6 a.m. on January 19th to 6 a.m. on January 21st. Key bridge connecting Virginia to the D.C. neighborhood of Georgetown remained open. The Secret Service initially closed several bridges spanning the Anacostia River, specifically the 11th Street Bridge and South Capitol Street slash Frederick Douglass Bridge. But on January 19th, we opened those bridges to local traffic only in response to concerns about those areas being cut off from a trauma center and additional grocery stores. On January 15th, the House Oversight Committee asked 27 transportation hotel companies, including Avis, Hertz, Marriott, and Hyatt, to implement screening procedures to prevent the use of their services by domestic terrorists targeting the inauguration. So you have arrest and incidents. On January 15, Capitol Police arrested a 31-year-old man from Front Royal, Virginia, carrying an unauthorized inauguration credential after he attempted to access a restricted area on the Capitol grounds. The man had attempted to enter a secure checkpoint in his pickup truck, and upon questioning from police, volunteered that he had a Glock in the center console. On later inspection, police said they also found more than 500 rounds of ammunition as well as two dozen shotgun shells in the truck. The man claimed to be a private security guard, said he had been aiding the security work downtown ahead of the inaugural community, ahead of the, I'm sorry, the per, the individual, I can't call him a man because men don't terrorize. The person claiming to be a private security guard said he had been aiding the security work downtown ahead of the inaugural ceremony. He acknowledged having the loaded gun and shotgun shells, but denied driving with more than 500 rounds of ammunition. He said it was an honest mistake that he had forgot to take the weapon out of his truck before coming to D.C., saying he had mistakenly gotten lost in the city, but his inauguration credential he was granted. The, the person was charged with carrying a pistol without a license, possessing unregistered firearm, and possessing unregistered ammunition. The Washington Post reported that the person was not tied to extremists and cooperated fully with police. He was released on personal recognizance pending charges instructed not to visit D.C. during the inaugural events except for court proceedings. Well, okay. Um... To some extent, I stand corrected, but at the same time, he should have known better and done better. I won't be as harsh on him now that I've read further. Uh, The inaugural platform from behind right there is eight days before the event. They have the pictures on here. I may provide the link after I'm finished with this episode. Uh, Okay. On January 17th, a 22-year-old avowed Trump supporter from Gordonsville, Virginia, was arrested near the Capitol complex carrying a Glock 22 handgun, three high-capacity magazines, and 37 rounds of unregistered ammunition. The person was arrested on charges of carrying a pistol without a license, possessing a large-capacity ammunition feeding device, and possessing a registered ammunition. In a separate incident the same day, a 63-year-old woman from Stanford, Connecticut, claimed... I just, person, uh, man, woman, I hate calling them those names because they insult good women and good men. Uh. A 63-year-old person from Stanford, Connecticut, claimed to be a law enforcement officer and a part of the presidential cabinet after being stopped by Capitol Police at a checkpoint near Union Station. She fled from police before she was arrested. The, the, ugh, 
the person underwent a psychiatric examination and was subsequently charged with impersonating a law enforcement officer, failing to obey an officer, and fleeing an officer. <sighs> Stupid ass motherfucker. Also on January 17th, Coy Griffin, a county commissioner in Oturo County, New Mexico, and founder of the Cowboys for Trump group, was arrested in Washington, D.C. Griffin had participated in the January 6th Capitol riot and had vowed to return to D.C. for the inauguration armed with guns and to hold a rally that would end with blood running out of the Capitol. Griffin was charged with knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building without lawful authority. Just like a lot of the Republicans who refused to acknowledge Joe Biden's win before, during, and after the certification from the Electoral College, including the congressional one, all I can say is they are as punks and suckers as Griffin, the 63-year-old, and the rioters. On January 18th, the Capitol complex where a dress rehearsal for the ceremony was due to take place was evacuated due to a fire at a homeless encampment outside in the 100 block of 8th Street Southeast to which DC Fire MES responded. MES responded. A public address system alerted people on the Capitol grounds and members of Congress were advised to shelter in place via email. Military Ban and individuals standing in as participants in the inaugural ceremony were forced to evacuate the inaugural platform. A small fire was promptly extinguished and caused one non-life-threatening injury. The blaze produced a cloud of smoke that was visible over the Capitol. The inauguration proceeded without incident. So I will let that be part one. And I'll do each part until they're all done each and every day. Thank you.